I went to cover a major earthquake near Mexico City, and I was in the second earthquake in the center of buildings, tall buildings, all swaying and creaking around me. That's our, um, that's our subject today on the most exclusive club. It was 1983. I was living at the time um, in southwest Houston, Sugarland, actually. And the NBC bureau that often used me was next to KPRC TV Channel 2 on the Southwest Freeway. Um, so I suddenly got a call to run to the airport and get on a chartered jet. And um, I was dating a Hispanic woman at the time, and the bureau hired her to translate for me, to stay with me and translate. Uh, I didn't know what the story was initially, but as I raced toward the um, Tehabi Airport to get on a chartered jet, um, I was filled in that it was a major earthquake. So um, we got to the jet, loaded our gear uh, with a producer named Ray Elberfeld, great guy, um, and so there's Ray and, uh, Dell, my girlfriend at the time, um, me and, uh, my sound tech was Wade Duncan, brother of Joe Duncan, uh, one of my dearest friends who recently passed away. And we took off, uh, from Houston, Houston Hobby, headed toward Mexico City, well, we were held up in the air over the border between Texas and Mexico. Uh, air traffic control in Mexico City was not allowing anyone to come in. And uh, so we began to circle. And we could hear over the uh, radio on the airplane uh, the other chartered jets and other news media who was trying to get into uh, Mexico, and they were all being denied and were sent into a holding pattern. So we're in a holding pattern over the Rio Grande uh, between Texas and Mexico. And for some reason, and I cannot explain it, Mexico City called us and gave us permission to come in and land. Nobody else. Now, they may have called others after we got in, but for some reason, we had uh, the luck of the Irish, as they say, in that they called us. So we land um, at the major airport in Mexico City, and... Um, you could see the uh, destruction from the air as you, as you approached. Well, uh, Ray, the producer, wanted to uh, get up in the air in a small plane to take aerial footage. And uh, he had come prepared with a lot of folding money because, um, I'm sorry to say, that's how you got some things done in Mexico. 
And with his folding money, he found uh, a guy who owned a Cessna 206. And, um, but no one was allowed to take off. This Cessna 206 guy had a friend in the tower. A little more folding money, and we were allowed to take off in that Cessna 206. Uh, it has a side baggage door, and we had removed the baggage door. And once up over Mexico City, I um, sat with my legs out of the door, baggage door, and Wade, my sound man, was holding onto my belt. And I'm shooting um, the only aerial footage of Mexico City still burning that I'm aware of. So um, we got that footage, went back to the airport, landed, and uh, we got uh, somehow the producer had gotten a vehicle for us. And we were running around the city um, shooting footage of destruction. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the picture uh, for the title of this podcast, The Most Exclusive Club... That picture is me in front of a collapsed building and beyond it, some buildings heavily damaged. Uh, that's in Mexico City, 1985. So we um, worked all day into the night, worked all day, and then we got uh, a break. As I said earlier, not all of Mexico City was destroyed. We got a hotel room in a um, high-rise area of Mexico City. Our room was on the 16th floor, and um, that's um, I think that was counted after the uh, few floors of um, parking garage. I don't know. But we're way up there. So, uh, Dell and um, Wade and I, uh, after two days of working and no sleep, were able to sit down to a decent dinner. We finished, and we walked over to the, to the elevator. I had pushed the up button when two ladies ran by me with fear in their faces. I turned around, and Dell was behind me, and she's reaching out to me, and she says, it's an earthquake. Let's go. And then she said, uh, the camera. Get the camera. And I said, expletive, <laughs> the camera. Um, 16 floors up. I'm not going to go up in an elevator uh, during an earthquake. So we're all running out into the street, and it's dark. It's evening, and the ground is moving slowly three feet back and forth. I was watching the wheels on a car roll with the, the ground moving three feet one way and then reversing directions and moving three feet the other way. And we were in the middle of an intersection surrounded by tall buildings, all creaking and leaning and 
if you ever have a feeling that you're about to die, you'll know it. And I had that feeling very strong because there's nowhere to run. All those tall buildings are all around you. Where do you go? The most helpless feeling I've ever experienced. And uh, it, the second earthquake, and it was not an aftershock, I found out later, it was another earthquake. It registered 7.2 or 7.3. Uh, so um, I was sure I was going to die. I was sure we we're all going to die. And the earthquake lasted about a minute, and that minute seemed like 10 minutes or 20 minutes. It was the longest minute I can ever remember in my life. And so um, we're, you know, forget about getting any rest. We're off um, shooting the city and the chaos and the ambulances and the gurneys going back and forth and people um, searching for loved ones in rubble. Uh, and that's what it was like. Um, <clears throat> at one point, the next day or two, I forgot the exact timing, I was assigned to Tom Brokaw, and we were to walk uh, in the rubble of the city with the president of Mexico at the time, at, which is what we did. Actually, I was one of two cameramen assigned to that. Uh, my camera was to always be pointed at Tom, and the other guy was always supposed to be pointed to the president of Mexico. And I later got a picture from the Mexican government, and someone sent me a pamphlet um, a, a small publication that they had made about the earthquake, and um, someone had taken a picture of um, Tom, me, Wade, and the president of Mexico, and in, I got it in that, uh, that publication from uh, the Mexican government. I don't know who sent it to me later while I was back in Houston. So for days, we walk around, and you see rubble, and you see parts of people, heads, arms, legs, um, and everywhere there were rescue crews with dogs trying to um, find the, um, those who survived. Well, on the eighth day of being there, we were sent, my sound man and I, were sent to um, a collapsed maternity hospital. We um, set up in, a, in the field. We had masks on, uh, Wade and I, and there was a little uh, machine that we sort of uh, sat on. I was on top with my camera, uh, shooting the workers digging in the maternity hospital. Now, the collapse of maternity hospital was a sight to see. Imagine a stack of pancakes. That's what the floors look like at, when they collapse together. What was between the, row, the floors 
what was between the floors was just crushed. And it looked like a giant square pancake breakfast with all the floors, I don't know, six or eight floors, laying one on top of the other with parts of people sticking out along the edges. Um, But at one point, they brought a baby out. It was gray, it was, but it was intact. And they immediately started working on that baby on a field table, just a few feet from me. We went over, and I was able to shoot video over the shoulder of one of the uh, people working on that baby who looked dead. And um, they're working on him, and after a few moments, his, his little legs started kicking. And, and the baby was alive. Unbelievable. I was kind of welling up inside. I looked down at my sound man, Wade, and he had a tear going down his cheek. But that baby was alive. And uh, they got him moving and kicking and breathing right and cleaned him up, and it was like he was never in the earthquake to begin with. He was one of the lucky ones that was in a crevice in a space somewhere in the rubble. And um, so we interviewed a doctor about that rescue um, as we, we set up the interview right next to the collapsed maternity hospital. And... Uh, the doctors said that, you know, they, they stick probes into the wreckage. Uh, they're, they're flexible, got a TV camera on the end, and, uh, and they were looking around in the darkness, and suddenly a pair of eyes opened right at the camera. It froze everybody looking at it. So they were able to go in and get that baby and bring him out and revive him. And uh, so we asked the doctor, that baby was caught in that wreckage for eight days. It should have died. And the doctor explained that the reason it didn't die is because this being a maternity hospital, babies newly born are used to the darkness and the silence and there's nothing wrong with that to them they don't have any fear and an adult caught in that rubble uh, will dehydrate very fast because they're very afraid you can't help but be afraid but if you ever get caught in in a collapse and you want to last the longest Try to calm your fears, because it turns out that being afraid dehydrates you. The babies not being afraid did not dehydrate so fast. And so eight days later, this baby was alive and kicking. And it's the the most amazing story uh, of my uh, experience in Mexico City. 
Um, if you watch the video version of this on my YouTube channel, themostexclusiveclub.com, um, I will have a picture of um, me on at that scene, although all you see is me on top of a machine and my sound man below, and we're wearing masks because of the dust. And um, what else will I have about um, Mexico City? Uh, we worked so hard that we hardly took any pictures, didn't think to take pictures. But um, what an amazing story. We were there a total of 13 days in Mexico City uh, shooting that earthquake. That was 1985. And that's just one of the many stories I have to tell, uh, having been a freelance network news cameraman for 38 years. And thank you for... Tuning in and uh, listening to my stories. I don't have a schedule for publishing these stories, but I'm really going to try to get one out every two or three days. So um, look for it. And thank you for tuning in to The Most Exclusive Club. <laughs>